Welcome to this edition of What is American Food, a podcast about the food we eat, don't eat, and why. I'm Allie Burlow. This is a special episode of What is American Food that grew out of episode three about the Community Food Bank of Southern Arizona's new focus on sourcing from fair trade business partners that are empowering workers across the border in Mexico. When we interviewed Robert Ojeda, the food bank's chief program officer, he mentioned Cavilli Brands Organic as an example of the kind of business that the Community Food Bank is looking to strengthen their partnerships with. Cavilli Brands Organic operates both a farm in Sonora, Mexico, and a marketing and distribution business out of Nogales, Arizona. What makes Cavelli unique is that they are the only operation in North America that's 100% organic certified and 100% fair trade certified. We hear from second-generation farmer Alex Madrigal and his life and business partner Iris Montano as to their commitment to these approaches to both farming and the business side of things. Here's Hannah Semler, co-host of What is American Food, leading the interview. So why don't we start by asking you, Iris, how did you find us? Well, um, we heard your third podcast uh, where Robert Ojeda from the Southern Arizona Community Food Bank spoke uh, highly of Covilli Brand Organics and some of the work that we are doing. And we decided to reach out to you guys and tell you a little bit more of what we're doing and uh, we find that the podcast is just uh, very informative and touches on subjects that we hardly hear about. So we definitely wanted to jump on board and, and share our experiences and learn along with you guys. Great. Where are you today? We're actually in Sonora, a northern state of Mexico uh, that borders with Arizona in the city of Guaymas because the farm, Covillis Farm, is an hour away from here in, in Valle de Empalme. So th this is where we are at the moment, being close to the farm and projects that we have going on here. And you also work in Nogales, Alex? Yeah, I also we also work in Nogales. We're based out of uh, Nogales, Arizona. That's where we receive uh, our produce and where we ship it from. Um, but I'm also very entwined in, in production, which is actually my, my first love before I got pushed into the marketing side of things. So explain to us a little bit before we get into the fact that you are the only North American food business food producer um, and distributor out of Nogales that is 100% organic and 100% fair trade. And this is a really exciting thing for us to understand how you got here. So we'll, we'll want to get to that for, for most of the time that we spend talking together today. But tell us a little bit about um, how your farm has evolved from being a farm in Sonora to being a distributor in Nogales. And so, you know, we did speak to Wilson Produce, a regenerative organic farm that works both in Sinaloa and in Baja California. But you're the first farm that we're talking to that's out of Sonora. But it'd be interesting for you to give us a little bit of your background and, and story around how did it become a farm with a marketing arm? And how does that work really for our listeners? First off, I just really quickly, I want to touch on what Iris said and um, about your podcast and the episodes that we listened to. I think it was a, for us, it was a, for me in particular, there was a breath of fresh air because it's, those are really big topics that, uh, that are not on a lot of people's radar and don't, people don't understand how uh, the food that we consume at the grocery store is so connected uh, to several different countries and to neighbors to the south, neighbors to the north, and we're, how, how big of a part we play in that food system at the grocery store. Uh, so thank you very much for that. 
as far as for us, we're relatively new to the game. We're not as we haven't been around as long as uh, let's say uh, the Wilsons of, of Nogales. There's families there that have been like the Wilson story have been doing this for a long, long time. And the warehouses exactly run with the train tracks right through the middle. Actually, we, we bought a new warehouse to us not too long ago. And it's one of those old warehouses with a storied history in Nogales. And exactly in the back, there's a set of train tracks that run right through it where they used to unload produce by train. Um, my father started this company back in the late 60s, early 70s in the Imperial Valley. California. So that's Calexico, El Centro, Heber, Brawley, uh, which is still a big farming community today. Uh, and then over the years, we progressed into farming in Mexicali, in the Mexicali Valley. And uh, it was a conventional operation. We're actually, we're still farming in the Mexicali Valley today, but it look, in Baja California, but it looks a lot different, that operation, than it was back years ago. Now we mostly grow and pack for other shippers in the Salinas Valley there for conventional agriculture, things like green onions and radishes and those items. And then in the, um, he went bankrupt and, and then he came back to the business uh, in the 70s. My mother uh, came on board, I would say, probably sometime in there in the late 70s. Um, and then they built the company basically from the, from the ground up from there. In the late 80s, he started seeing organic agriculture as a cleaner way to farm. So he began that journey in Mexicali. Uh, but it was very difficult just because of the intense competition in Mexicali and the number of farms. It was very difficult uh, to grow organically there. So we started pivoting to the state of Sonora. Uh, we had remembered from years past uh, where we had a watermelon program here, which was Sonora, typically our area here. Huaymas is known for uh, watermelons and citrus. Um, and we remembered that there was hardly any any other farms around us in this area. It was fairly desolate still at that time. So we made the move and we transferred all of the, everything we were doing organically over to the state of Sonora. And that's when we began, uh, let's say, in the late 80s, early 90s, in earnest, uh, started farming organically. And at first, in the early 90s, when we began farming organically, we actually weren't selling it, selling our produce under completely. We weren't selling it ourselves. Actually, we were going through earthbound farms. Um, they were the marketer of all our produce in the, earth, in the very early years. Um, by 1994 is when Kabili Brand Organics was born, and uh, we've been here ever since, farming organically and shipping into Nogales. Uh, my father, in his later years, uh, he passed away in 2014 from cancer. And right about in 2012, 2013, he was always ahead of the curve, and he was always an, an innovator, him and my mother together, because they, they both did this together. Um, and they were always looking kind of uh, the next step. And he happened to find some information, an article about fair trade, and that started us down the fair trade path. But when he got sick in 2013, everybody, the entire family pivoted to that. You know, there was, there was room for nothing else, really. So we kind of left it on one side. Um, after he passed, I retook the idea because I was really, in, I was really enamored with the idea of fair trade and precisely that connectedness. Giving for me, it represents a tool for the average consumer to have a say and a vote in the food system that they want and the food system that they believe in. Um, it's a way to give, I, I believe, the consumer that choice uh, is through fair trade. Um, so I took up that mantle, but again, in farming. And, and how what we do, how we do what we do, it's so all-consuming, all-encompassing that uh, I, I just, I myself and anybody on my team really couldn't take on a project of that magnitude because 
because it, it, it's a change of culture. It really is. If you're really taking it uh, uh, seriously and you're implementing it from top to bottom, which is the way it has to be, it has to come from the top all the way to the bottom and buy in from the top. Um, it, it's changing a way of doing business 100%. Um, so my wife, Iris, comes from um, a very interesting background in communication. Before we got married, she did a lot of work in communication and, and change management with companies uh, you know, that, that she recognized, like Kenworth, uh, that builds trucks in Mexicali. Um, she, she had that operation up. They made this $75 million investment in expanding their plant. And I remember, because we were dating at the time, that she, she was at the head of that you know, change management, letting the employees know what's going on, you know, that you're not losing your jobs. This is just an expansion because they were working concurrently with the expansion. So immediately a light bulb went off. You know, I thought about that and I said, well, that's the perfect person to bring fair trade program, grab the booklet, which is about that thick and make it into a program for us, bring it to fruition. Before we go to speak directly with Iris about that and and what your story was, I want to get back to something that you said, which makes me feel like this is a very personal thing for you. The fact that your father died of cancer, the fact that the fair trade and organic choices had to do with your family saying, you know, was there a connection between the history of how your father had farmed conventionally or and health? Or what was the connection that people made in their minds in your family when when your father got sick? Uh, to switch over to full-on organic, full-on fair trade. Can you explain that to us? Well, we were already full-on organic way before then, like I said, in the, in the early 90s. And the fair trade was, I guess I, guess I should also explain that um, my mother um, and both my father grew up very modestly. Um, father from uh, uh, the Midwest, you know, uh, the second uh, three boys didn't have a new pair of shoes until he was old enough to buy them for himself. Otherwise, his hand-me-downs. My mother is the second of 16 children. Um, my father was a butcher. Um, and, and actually, my mother's vacations and my, my grandmother, who just passed away also recently, would tell stories that their vacations consisted of piling all the kids in, in their van and heading up to the Central Valley in the summer because they had an uncle and aunt there that would set a, a home aside for them and that they would pick fruit. That was their vacation, you know, for a month, two months during the summer. Um, and then they'd come down and all the girls would get up early in the morning, make all the burritos, tortillas and everything for my uncles and my grandfather who would go out in the field. And that was that was what they did in the summer. So we have this very unique connection to the field and where we come from. So that's always been from the start before even, you know, organic certification, before fair trade certification. We've always had a, a, a very strong connection to our workers. And uh, we, we pride ourselves in taking care of our workers. It's, it's, it's the backbone of everything, of every society. It's the workers, the people bending down in the field, picking those beans and putting it in a box. You know, that's, that's it. So that's kind of always been our, our guiding philosophy. Um, so that, I think that's where the connection comes in. And we're always looking for that next thing. And so fair trade, for me, uh, fit that very well because... It allows us to do that. There's a certification. And again, for me, the power comes in that it's a, for, it's a tool for the end consumer, for that person that, that you know, has a nine-to-five job in the city that doesn't necessarily understand farming but can understand a certification, you know, uh, which carries some weight. But the work there then is on us uh, to educate. And it, it's a big task, uh, educating people on fair trade, even just organic, you know, um, 
it's huge. It's a big undertaking that's educating everybody on the importance of these certifications. Thank you so much, Alex. That was really, uh, uh, I, I felt uh, goosebumps when you were just talking about how, uh, you know, that's the backbone of any society and therefore any company should be taking care of their workers. And speaking of, you know, communication, the emotion that I just felt from you telling me directly and me being able to see your face for our listeners, hopefully the, the, the voice. Um, but a lot of times with a product and just a logo certifying, it's difficult to communicate that emotion. So Iris, how do you communicate fair trade? How do you communicate the incredible work that, that your company is doing? And, and what, do you, what do you wish to accomplish through your communication efforts in the future? It's it's been very interesting, as Alex said. Uh, first of all, uh, trying to educate simultaneously on organic and, and the difference with conventional and why it's a uh, higher price, and also uh, fair trade. Uh, basically, what we're trying to do is is talk about how this transforms and empowers people's lives, people, um, the farm worker directly, and. Um, and bringing the, for us, it's a lot about bringing them back into the picture. You know, um, for most of us, we go into a grocery store and all you see is vegetables, but there's, there's nothing to remind you that there's hundreds of people behind that product that you are choosing, um, and, or putting on your table. For example, you know, with our kids, whenever they tell me, Oh, I don't like that. And it's like, what do you mean you don't like that? Do you know how many hands, how, how much work, how much time and dedication? had to be before it got to your plate. Um, and for us, it's, it's a lot of that, bringing back the farm worker and how we are linked, whether we know it or not, whether we even care about it or not, it's a reality. We are linked to other people that are doing this hard work on a daily basis. And um, so we, we rely a lot, of course, on social media and trying to tell the story of how um, you know, somebody in, in Northern California or in New York choosing one of our products, one of Covilli products or or another product that has a fair trade certified logo, um, how a few cents uh, um, from a pound of whatever they purchase go directly into a bank account where these farm workers that have created an association, a, a, um, a legally recognized association, uh, are able to democratically choose what they do with these funds, and they are dedicated to community projects. Um, all this is uh, um, designed, in, in our case, by Fair Trade USA because it's the standard that we follow, and it's who certifies us. Um, but it, it, there is a process that has to be followed, and the idea is is for community projects that benefit the most. And as we progress into the into the Fair Trade program, that e these projects can even be brought to their um, states or cities or towns or villages of where they come from of origin because most of our workforce are is migrant they're migrant workers so for us it's very important for people to understand that that each person purchasing um a fair trade certified product has a direct impact and it's cents of a dollar but they add up uh we were certified fair trade um on december of 2015 and uh, by uh by 2020 we had already earned $1 million in premiums. So wow. this has allowed, and it's big. And, and just to explain a little bit about what, what makes us 100% fair trade certified. For most um, producers, or, um, they will usually just certify their most um, sold commodity. And 
they will give the option to the to the clients to either choose fair trade or non-fair trade. So what Alex decided to do was we're selling everything, all of our products, which we have about 20, it varies from year to year, 20 to 30 different products. We will, Everything was going to be fair trade certified. And unless you wanted a non-fair trade product, then you had to request it as such. So all our, our all our line is fair trade, unlike other producers. But um, so this has allowed us to 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 be one hundred percent certified and one hundred percent organic, and to be the only producer distributor in North America to do it that way. Incredible. Can I ask one clarifying question? How do you communicate about the assumptions in general about Mexico grown product, so which is an additional hurdle? And also, how does the organic certification and the assumptions about the differences between the U.S. certification and the Mexico certification affect how consumers perceive an organic product from Mexico? Have you run into this at all? Because I I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding in the public as to whether there's a difference. Because as I understand it, and I have some training of course, you would not be able to sell organic produce in the U.S. if you were not meeting all the requirements of organic certification in the U.S. And yet, there's a sense that there's somehow an inferior certification process if the product is coming from, from Mexico. And I know that this is getting into very touchy and sort of misrepresentation uh, areas of, of Mexico grown in general, but I think it's important to talk about. You're absolutely right. And yes, unfortunately, I head on have slammed into those misconceptions. But when I started off after my first couple of years in the field, I did a small internship in, in OGC in, uh, in Eugene, Oregon. And uh, in one of those, one of my experiences was setting up product in a suit in a grocery store. And uh, a lady came up to me and asked me, you know, it was Mexican produce and what I thought of it being organic. And if it was true that we used uh, uh, human feces to fertilize fields in Mexico. And exactly, I can see your face. And that was inside, I cringed as well. And uh, and I explained to her that, no, that wasn't the case, that we meet the same standards. And you're absolutely right. I mean, we get certified yearly organically. We meet the same standards as any U.S. growers. We we all, we all play by the same uh, national organic produce, the NOP guidelines uh, regarding um, uh, organic product. And so, uh, and then also we're subject to random tests at the border crossing, 100% inspections, uh, microbiological testing, you know, all those, all those type of things. Uh, we get, we get inspected at our warehouses in Nogales uh, randomly uh, from year to year. So some years that uh, we even have USDA inspectors visit our farms to verify what we're doing. Um, so I can only speak from my little corner, our little corner of the world and the efforts that we try to do. But basically the way we tackle that is just talking and information and engaging, um, you'd be surprised the organic sector and the organic, uh, the hardcore organic consumer will reach out. We regularly receive letters in the mail. We receive correspondence via our website. We receive cor- we receive messages via the, the social feeds that we have, like Instagram and things like that, where people either returning. It's really great because I, I love the ones that we get uh, where there's, they handwrite a letter and then they might return like a Bexar bag that you see the Brussels sprouts come in and say, hey, we don't agree with you guys using packaging. We love your product. And and we try to engage. We, we use those opportunities um, to engage our customer and tell them and try to talk to them. And we put out as much information as we can on our posts. 
Um, but it, but it's an uphill battle for sure. But I think it's one that uh, if you really believe in the cause, if you really believe in organic agriculture, fair trade certification, that you're willing to do day in and day out. You know, you have we have to push the ball forward. And it's just by talking to people and, and just being as loud as we can and trying to put our message forward. That's really all we can do and, and hope that we have that buy-in by the consumer, you know, that wants to engage, that wants to be, that's interested in finding out what the story is, where their food actually comes from and what it means. You know, um, that's the work that we're trying to do. And also uh, in trying to deal with some of the food waste, because we, I, I loved your podcast and dealing about food waste because there's so much and the food banks could really pull off coordinating directly with the farms in Mexico. Um, it would go, it would go a long way. Um, to yeah. saving a lot of the produce that, that that gets that gets thrown out. Let's talk a little bit about that relationship between uh, Covilli brand organic and community food bank, if you will. Th- that relationship actually started. Uh, we we donate to the to our local food banks, but it started in earnest. Actually, we spoke to Robert first uh, because we were trying to tackle this the, this issue of food waste, and um, we noticed that we have a lot of high quality produce that we either have to compost because we have a very rigorous composting program that goes year round. And we use all of our farms, uh, clippings and, and product that we don't sell or we don't move into our compost. Um, but we were trying to tackle this, uh, this issue because we, if you can believe it, about 50%, maybe 60% of our yield is we, isn't, we can't sell it because it has some sort of defect. The product is still good, but we just can't sell it into the export market because there's some sort of defect. So um, we had this idea um, to try to bypass the retailer because not all retailers, I can't paint all retailers with the same brush, but the majority um, don't lower their prices. Even when there's a flush, when something is in season, there's a lot. And we're, ever, all the shippers are trying to push out product. They don't, they don't necessarily lower them. So we saw this, this, this problem and we wanted to set up a direct distribution from grower to consumer and like mobile mobile trucks or mobile vans in the Tucson area because Tucson, believe it or not, is a, it has a huge problems with food deserts. Uh, it's kind of hard to believe being that you have so much fresh produce in Nogales, but Tucson has a hard problem, a big problem with food deserts. So we wanted to have these mobile stations uh, going around to these food desert areas and, and selling product almost at cost, all the number twos that the farm produces. And that's where our relationship began with Robert um, at the uh, Arizona Food Bank. Um, he was one of the first proponents, tried to help us uh, use their infrastructure, um, their, their cold spaces, um, their distribution points, either to set up our sale or to set up pallets of product that we would then later take into communities that aren't easy to reach. Um, and that's kind of how it began with them and the city of Tucson. Very interesting. And so one of the programs with Community Food Bank is looking at their sourcing through their produce rescue program in Nogales from a rights-based lens. And this was, of course, the topic for episode three of What is American Food? And so thinking ahead about how food banks can participate with 100% organic, 100% fair trade, Covilli brand organics, and other partners like yourselves who are already doing this work, how do you see their partnership benefiting the ultimate goal of supporting the workers and supporting the health of, you know, the soil and like, what, what is it that they can do? Is it the purchasing power that food banks may have to actually bring you a return for that otherwise, uh, you know, sort of wasted or donated product? Is there a, 
programmatic uh, opportunity for Community Food Bank to learn from you about the ways in which you're operating your business and how that community impact and community organizing that those workers are doing to, to improve their lives? Uh, you know, what, what is the exchange, you think, in the future? Yeah, it's a big question for sure. You know, uh, and I think it's a multi, there's a multifaceted uh, answer to that. You know, um, I think they're probably, for one, again, I'm a firm believer in giving people information and having them decide for themselves. I, I again, I've had the opportunity, I've been very blessed uh, with being able to talk to a lot of different people from all walks of life, from holding meetings to a whole team of produce managers for, for a retailer talking about fair trade to just the regular consumer that stops me, you know, in the grocery aisle and we have a, we have a conversation. Um, so I'm a firm believer in letting people giving information. So I think also if there could be a better job maybe in providing information at the food bank level, again, where produce meets people, um, providing them like, here you go. Hey, do you know that where this comes from? Do you know, here's a quick, you know, or check this link out or something I think is, is big. Also, I think uh, what I just touched on is uh, in order to save all this food from going to waste or going right into the back into the ground, being tilled right under, I think if there could be bigger cooperation between food banks and farms direct um, is a big step because even the, again, for me, for example, just talking about myself, if, if I could save maybe half of that 60% that I could go to food banks. And even if they do purchase, even if it's just it's at, it's at cost, if I'm, if, if I'm, I as a middleman, I'm not earning anything, it's fine. But as long as there's some sort of return to the farm, to the farm worker at, at cost, just so that you're able to plant the next year, have enough, you know, that you don't have to worry about that little 30%. That's huge. That's, that's a major win for everybody. Um, so I think if we can get to that, you know, a really close, close uh, working relationship between food banks and producers, direct producers, um, I think that would go a long way to solving this issue. Well, I think Community Food Bank and Robert Ojeda and Dana Yost are, are going to be extremely excited to hear this uh, bonus episode of What is American Food with Iris Montaño and Alex Madrigal of Covilli Brands Organic, um, especially because as they're developing and sort of evolving and transforming their program, they're really looking at how they can become better partners to the farms that are ultimately growing the food that they're rescuing. And we're talking about 100 million pounds over the course of the last three years that Community Food Bank has rescued. So changing sourcing practices towards sort of an equity lens sourcing in which they're able to directly support the fair trade practices by getting you a, a return um, to support the programs that, that you're upholding and the people that you're uplifting with how you're doing business, I think is an incredible, is an incredible goal. And I'm going to give you the last word, Iris, as we close up today. Well, again, I would like to to highlight the importance of the topics that you're touching on. It's very critical for people to understand more more so than we think uh, where our food comes from and and why. You know, like you were saying, um, we some people are biased into not buying Mexican produce uh, also because they feel that they need to support local. The truth is that we are we are binded and we supply most of what. Uh, 
of what is not produced in the U.S. during the winter months. And one last thing that I would like to mention is that we are expanding our, our vision. And we had just recently opened up uh, Covili Mexico with the idea of also distributing in Mexico. Uh, finally, the Mexican market, uh, it has they have been looking for it for a while, but uh, logistically, it was also it has also been a challenge, uh, but we are becoming we're aimed at becoming uh, the main distributor in Mexico for organics and also looking into bringing fair trade into Mexico so that you know everybody partakes in this um, notion of knowing and 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 willingly uh, supporting the farm workers that do the everyday hard work that puts food in our plates. Thank you so much for feeding the U.S. and thank you so much for. Feeding Mexico. Uh, it is at our local Blue Hill Co-op in Down East Maine that I can enjoy Covili brand organics, squash, and heirloom tomatoes. And so Yay. it's beautiful, beautiful product. And I love having it in my home. And I very much love having the backstory to why we're so lucky to have this product in the winter months in our communities. So thank you both so much. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. That was Iris Montano and Alex Madrigal of Covilli Brand Organics with Hannah Semler, my co-host for What is American Food? And I'm Allie Burlow. Thank you for listening to Alex and Iris tell their story. It was a brief and mighty discussion. We are grateful to have opened up this space for such important topics. Shedding light on all the different farming and food production methods, whether we see them or not, that are part of our daily lives, our daily choices helping us understand the impact we create for millions of people along the supply chain with the food we choose to eat or not eat every day. You can download this episode from your favorite podcast player and off our website at whatisamericanfood.com. We hope you listen to all our episodes, and we'd love to hear what you think, so leave us a review. It helps other listeners find us too. This podcast is funded by the Betsy and Jesse Fink Family Foundation with production support by Melody Rowell. Check back because soon we'll be dropping our next deep dive series focused on the nonprofit Red Tomato. Stay in touch, sign up to get our newsletter, and have a peaceful day. Thanks.